0: And we are back on this first ever day for truth and reconciliation in the country. And the Canadian Medical Association calling for immediate action in order to restore the healthcare systems in both the provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan. Both, of course, as you know, we've been covering this uh, for a couple of weeks now, are crumbling under the growing COVID caseload during the fourth wave. And for more on this, we're joined now by the CMA president-elect, Dr. Alika LaFontaine is on the line and joins us here on Global News Radio. Dr. LaFontaine, good afternoon, appreciate your time. Good afternoon, thanks for having me. Uh, Before we get to Alberta, you are the first indigenous nominee for CMA president in its history. So I wanted to ask you just to start, if you could share your thoughts with us here on this first ever day for Truth and Reconciliation.
1: You know, I I think these, these days give us a chance to focus on, you know, different topics. Obviously, in the course of the last couple of years, there's countless things that are demanding our attention. And I think setting aside this time for people to learn and think about what it means to be Indigenous and non-Indigenous in Canada and how we all interact with each other, I I think is a great moment. And, you know, to be in the position of President-elect and taking over as President from Dr. Catherine Smart next summer, uh, it, it really creates an opportunity for us to continue to have these discussions and understand each other in a better way.
0: And let's talk a little bit, if we can, about uh, health in Indigenous communities, because the problem of clean drinking water, that that has been well documented. But I wanted to ask you, what else do you believe needs to be done? What do you hope to accomplish when it comes to Indigenous health?
1: You know, I, I think truth and reconciliation teaches us a lot of lessons that we can use in health as well. You know, making sure that we understand the truth because the truth really does matter. You know, understanding the impacts of residential schools. I think as we cycle through more and more of these days uh, and moments, we'll learn about Indian hospitals and you know the experiences of Indigenous patients going through the healthcare system. Um, the The second big point is that unless we move from words to action, nothing really changes. You know, and I, I think we've all experienced this uh, in the pandemic as we've seen things kind of wax and wane as far as, you know, the stresses on the healthcare system and on each other. And so these two things together, I think, really bring uh, an opportunity to create a a different type of healthcare system and a different type of environment for both Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples in Canada.
0: Yeah, and just finally, how vital are those those initiatives and that uh, call you're making uh, to action when it comes to reconciliation and really uh, for the future of moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think I think especially the first call, which is talking about resolving inequities. You know, whenever we have inequities in healthcare, it's almost always by design. You know, we choose where we build hospitals, we choose where we provide primary care, we choose who we hire, and how much the ratio between those providers and patients are. You know, the the things that we have today are result, are a result of the choices that we made yesterday. And so when the CMA comes out and calls to address calls for these inequities to be addressed. What we're really asking for is for these resources to be allocated, you know, to build this infrastructure, this health workforce. And at the end of the day, more capacity is good for everyone.
0: Joined on the line by the CMA president-elect, Dr. Alika LaFontaine. Uh, I want to shift next, if we could, to the uh, pandemic because the Canadian Medical Association is out saying that extraordinary measures are needed now in both Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, specifically, what needs to be happening that isn't right now, do you believe?
1: You know, I, I think there's a big disconnect between what people think is happening in the healthcare system and what's actually happening in the healthcare system, especially in the PIRDS. You know, unless you have a family member who's going through receiving care or you're a healthcare provider yourself, or you have a close friend who's a healthcare provider, the real-time updates of just how dire the situation right now is, um, I mean, you're, you're just not hearing these stories the way that you would if, if you knew firsthand what was going on. Uh, what the CMA is really calling for is to use every tool in the toolkit to address the challenges. You know, I, I think with any crisis, and as an anesthesiologist, I, I deal with crises to day, along with resuscitations of patients, you know, the the very worst thing is to step back and just watch things evolve and not intervene. And depending on how critical the situation is, different steps are required and an escalating response is required. And I think that the situation that we have in Alberta and Saskatchewan in particular is, is really a place where we now have to call for lockdowns. We need to make sure that we push for people to become uh, vaccinated to have certain situations where people have mandatory vaccinations, especially within the healthcare system, you know, and pull out all the other tools that we know have worked in previous waves, you know, public health interventions like mandatory masking, you know, limiting uh, contacts between families, um, you know, all the things that we have applied and has worked in the past.
0: Yeah, can I ask you specifically about these so-called firebreakers, and basically would be uh, another total and complete uh, lockdown for either Alberta and or Saskatchewan? You know, we're hearing that from the medical uh, community in both provinces, hearing that from your organization, the Canadian Medical Association. Uh, Is it falling, do you think, on deaf ears, uh, decision-makers not acting on this?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that is common within... You know, among healthcare workers, is that when there's a problem, like we speak up and we we share what we know has worked in the past. Um, I think that there needs to be a transition between talking about ideology and theoreticals to now the logistics of how we're actually going to solve the problem. And we know that these firebreakers, these circuit breakers, where we pull out all the tools in our toolkits, lockdowns are a part of that, are effective at confronting these waves. And with the way that COVID is spreading with these variants um, and the way that it's affecting demographics that it didn't affect in previous waves. You know, younger, younger patients, children are coming in sick and in greater numbers than we, we ever could have anticipated. Um, it is important just to be honest with the population about what actually needs to happen. And the question is not whether or not we'll need to have these measures. The question is when.
0: Well, that was my very next question to you. As the time even passed, uh, perhaps, is it too late to, for one of these fire breakers or circuit breakers?
1: You know, uh, there, there's this common idea out there that if we just let COVID run rampant and everyone gets infected, that will work our way through a wave, that will develop herd immunity. And my response to that is that there's not really a jurisdiction in the world that's been able to achieve that in that way. You know, we always need to have decisive political leadership to lead us through these waves. And this wave is no different. And so we could have made better decisions in the past. I mean, that's been acknowledged by, you know, both premiers in Alberta and Saskatchewan. The the question is, is what are you going to do now? And the call from healthcare workers will continue to be the only thing that will lead us through this wave is decisive political leadership that uses every tool available to us.
0: I want to mention as well, you're joining us from Alberta. You're based in Grand Prairie, Alberta. And can you just finally give us a firsthand account of what it has been like, what you've seen with your own eyes, uh, how your fellow doctors, healthcare providers, how they're feeling right now at this moment?
1: You know, I, I trained I trained in Saskatchewan. I was born in Regina, so did my medical school and my residency in anesthesia at the University of Saskatchewan. I've been up in northern Alberta for more than 10 years I've never could have anticipated this ever happening in a first-world healthcare system. Um, the requirements that we've had to reallocate resources from places that have always been core parts of the healthcare system, um, especially in the area of surgery where I work, uh, is is at levels that that you would never you would never have even questioned could be possible, you know, here in Canada. Uh, healthcare workers are exhausted and overworked. With each subsequent wave, I think everyone's experiencing, you know, how much it wears away at you. You know, even if the wave is is big or small, I mean, it, as subsequent aggregated, uh, you know, effects end up happening to you as this this cycles more and more. Uh, we really need that leadership to lead us out of this wave, and then to continue to be on guard. That way we don't confront these waves again. We we will eventually reach new normals in how we go about doing things. But I think one of the one of the worst decisions that we made in the prairies was hoping that if we just quit paying attention to COVID, we'd be able to walk past it. And I think we know today that that's not true.
0: Well, it goes without saying, we wish you the very best in the coming days and weeks there in Alberta. And Dr. LaFontaine, appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much.
1: All right. Thanks for having me
0: you bet the Canadian Medical Association president electors Dr. Alika Lafontaine and we're back after this on Global News Radio